Ciao ragazzi! This is Katie Portanova, and you're listening to Florence and Me. I'm a lover of stories and all things Italian, and I'm going to bring you all that in this podcast. My intention is to inspire you to step out of your comfort zone and explore life and travel the world. Join me as I tell you my story and many others about Italy and my love, Florence. Andiamo! Ciao a tutti! I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode um, with Caitlin Bosshart, a life coach, a wedding coach, an artist, many other things. Um, to learn more about what she does and her love of Italy, just like me. Also, her passion projects like The Hive. Um, I'm going to have all of the, um, the info in the notes if you wanted to join one of our, um, one of her sessions of The Hive. I can't wait for you to meet her. Listen up. A presto. Okay, Caitlin is here with us, and I'm so excited to have her on my podcast, Florence and Me. Thank you, Caitlin, for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Katie. I've just been really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. And especially because we've both been to Italy, and you've traveled much more, um, I guess, I think, rustically than I traveled (laughs) once, because we talked about this before, which we can talk about it again. Um, So. So those of you that don't know, I talked about Caitlin um, late August about bringing her on and I forgot what I said, actually, so it doesn't matter, but like what I said we were going to talk about, but, um, but I thought we'd talk about passion because Caitlin does um, a podcast. She has a coach. She's a wedding coach. She is, um, did I say podcast already? Yes. Um, And she has a, as a group, which I was so mad that I missed. I'm so sorry called The Hive, uh, a virtual group um, that talks about basically multi-passionate people, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So Caitlin, please introduce yourself and tell us all the lovely multi-passionate things that you do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if I tell you absolutely everything, we might be here for a while. Like, I mean, we're also multi-dimensional, right? We could, we could, we have so many things, um, but I'm Caitlin. I am a life coach for multi-passionate creatives. I'm also a wedding coach for couples who are planning non-traditional weddings and helping them tie the knot their own way. I'm an artist. I'm a beekeeper. I'm a yoga teacher. I have a podcast called full heart free voice. Um, been really into, I've been diving into human design and brain science and neurolinguistic programming. And I like, I, so my passions just kind of go on and on and on. And I, there's, I just get so fascinated by so many different things, which I, I know I'm not alone in that by any means. And that's yeah. why I love the work that I do. Exactly. And I totally forgot you were yoga instructor. Like <laughs> when you said that, I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah, you are. I forgot you said that you are. <laughs> yeah. It's not something that I, I work with clients privately right now. And so it's not something that's as upfront and center by any means. Sure. Sure. Um, okay, cool. So I want to talk further about the 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 concept of passion just passion and those of you that have listened to my most recent episode about what I was in 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 Tuscany in September I talked a lot about passion and I talked about a lot about how when you feel 
like you're in the presence of somebody with that passion, it just kind of drives you forward to like, oh my God, I want to be in her shoes or I want to be doing what she's doing, but my thing. And like, so explain to me what you feel passion is just passion itself, multi-passionate we'll get to, but like when you feel you're in passion of something or you're around somebody with passion, like what, what do you feel or how does it go with you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I really relate to what you're saying that when you're in the presence of someone who's really passionate about something, you just feel drawn to them. Mm -hmm. I think there's something in humans where we are very attracted to that passion. It's it's intriguing, at least for me, I feel very intrigued. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a chocolatier in my town that is one of the only people in the U S like there's like, I don't know, like 15 of them that actually take chocolate from you know, the, the green bean and roasts it and takes it, you know, through the whole process and hearing him talk about chocolate. I'm like, I never knew that I wanted to know so much about the whole process of eating chocolate, but because he's so into it, I just like, it's like really magnetizing. But what I think of passion as is something that is like something so deep and so connected to the core of who we are in some way. And when we experience, it's almost, it's, I think what we experience passion as it's like almost a recognition of something that's inside of us, outside of us, Mm, you know, it's like we come across something in the world and it ignites something within us. It's always really been there, Uh but we feel so called and so drawn to it and, and magnetized to this thing. And we want to be part of it. We want to, we want to learn about it. We want to do that thing. We want to share it with the world. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I experience passion. Yes. And I, I, I've explained this on the last um, episode, but, um, meeting these people in Tuscany, one of them was a designer. Like I just wanted to be around her, like all the time. She had this cheery disposition. I called her, um, the sun. Cause she was like shining out, showing us everything that she made and designed and not being like, you need to pay me because this is effing awesome. But like, this is my heart. I'm showing you my heart. And, and I ended up buying something from her just because I'm like, I love her so much. Like I told her I want to be her best friend and I love everything <laughs> she wore. Like she was just like Italian women dressed amazingly. Um, and then another guy I met who his, his father created this, um, company, well, a very small company, um, with jewelry. And the way he was explaining the jewelry, I wanted the jewelry. Could I afford the jewelry? <laughs> no, because I already had decided I was going to buy that most expensive thing from my friend Laura. So like, but that feeling of, yes, I want to be around it. I want to buy it. I want to share it. I want to, I don't know. It's just like, and it, it feels like in my body, like with her, especially with, with Laura, I was like, I just, I just want to squeeze you. Like, I just want to <laughs> suck it in. Like, because I feel passionate about what I'm doing and just matching that with somebody else's passion. It's just like, you just want to be around that all the time. Absolutely. Vibration of like, yes. Like, yeah, it's inspiring. Like you're saying, sometimes it can like drive you forward. Yeah. And when I see people who are like passionate about the thing that they do and they're just like sort of unapologetically being like, here's what I do in the world or here's what I love because in passion's not always, I think sometimes people feel like, Oh, I have to like create something. Yeah. I mean, I think we are creating all the time in so many different ways that we don't always acknowledge, but you don't have to necessarily have to be like creating something out in the world or an intangible form. 
you know, to be passionate about it. You could just be like, I just love to share this knowledge with other people. If it's a message I want other people to have, like it can look so many different ways. I totally, I totally agree. And I, I think there's like something innately in us that when we are, my cats are fighting, sorry. Um, just like running into tables. Um, like innately in us that really does when we feel and we're in that passion of whatever we're creating, it's not something that we're like, Oh, look at what I'm doing. Kind of bragging. It's actually just like, look at this. I'm so excited about this. I don't care if you buy it, share it, use it, own it. I don't care, but this is what I'm doing. And it's important to me. So I hope you can listen to this. Like, that's what I felt with these people. Like as much as like, obviously they were selling something to us in Italy, but I was still like interested in the story, like the story of why it came about. Why did his father want to design the jewelry this way? This is an ancient way. Who does this anymore? Blah, blah, blah. But the way then it was passed down, like, and how he was like so passionate about even where they had their, um, their showroom was like an ancient, um, uh, olive press was in there. And then there was like the ancient way where they stepped on the grapes and the wine would come out this spigot and stuff. And it's still there. So it's just like, Oh, like, I just want to be around it. Like, I just want to keep being with you people and feeling that energy and feeling that because like you said, I think it does match up with then your energy of whatever you're passionate about. And not necessarily, I don't want to say it not necessarily gives you the, um, the validation or the, the, the ability to share, but I feel it also does. (laughs) This is what I was going to say. When, when Laura was like, telling me about her shop and like doing that. I literally said this, Caitlin, I said, I love you so much (laughs) in Italian as well. And I'm like, and she's just like, Oh my God, (laughs) because I just met her. I'm like, I think you're beautiful. I think everything you wear is amazing. Like I was just not just giving her compliments just to give her compliments, but I was just like, I can't not love you. Like you are just want to squeeze you like lemons. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like, Anyway, you just felt so lit up by her, you know, which is, which is amazing. And I think like with what you were saying about how the story, the Mm. story and the passion, it gives this dimensionality to like an object. Cause you could be like, oh, that's like a beautiful jacket or whatever. But then when someone is describing Mm -hmm. or that piece of jewelry, like the history that goes into it and the sense of place and all the thought and intentionality that goes into it. Like we, we are, as humans, we love stories. We get so connected to the story and the meaning behind things. Yes. And as you were talking, also reminded me of a woman that I met in Italy. She wasn't actually Italian, okay. uh, but she was, she was Romanian actually. Mm-hmm. And she ended up in Florence and she worked at a leather shop, like a leather jacket shop. Mm-hmm. And I just remember just all, same thing, like just being like literally hanging on every word as she was describing the leather and the way that leather jacket should make you feel and the types of stitching that was on the leather jacket and whatever. And at the end, I said the same thing. I was like, you're amazing. Like, it's like, I've never, I've never been so like seduced by someone talking about a leather jacket before. Like it was just, but she clearly like really enjoyed what she did. I was like, you're really good at your job. She's like, thank you. And she gave me a hug. And it was like, 
Yeah. Just amazing. Just really, it was like this really cool way to connect. She totally. just loved what she was doing. And it's not the only thing that she did. I don't think that was like her life's work, you know, like yeah, the woman yeah. that you're talking about. Uh-huh. Um, but I think sometimes like we can find these things that we just get so excited about. And then we're drawn to people who are excited about things. Totally. And I feel like that's why my story with living abroad and stuff, I feel like I hope that whoever's listening out there is inspired by that in order to do what they feel is passionate in their life. If they want to go abroad or if they want to change jobs or if they want to move across country, whatever it might be, or redo your kitchen like you did. Oh my God, your kitchen looks amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Caitlin, Caitlin redid her kitchen and Anyway, if you look on her Instagram, you can see the difference in her kitchen. Labor of love. We, yeah, my husband and I did it all ourselves and it was, yeah, quite a project. A passion project as well. A passion project. Yes. (laughs) A passion project as well. Um, Okay. So let's go into what does it mean to be multi-passionate for you? For me? Yeah. It's like, that's because everybody's different. Yes. Everybody's different. We all express differently. For me is that I don't see my life necessarily following one singular path. Um, I see it being very winding. It's going to loop back on itself. It's going to branch off. Uh, and I have so many different interests and, and, and this is a very common trait of multi-passionate people is that we get really, really interested in something. And then once we've gotten, what we wanted out of that thing, or we've learned what we wanted to learn our interest in it might start to wane a little bit because part of that, like passion is like loving the learning, getting so excited about sort of like, he's like, you have this love affair with this new thing, you know, and then it like cools down a little bit. doesn't mean you still still love that thing, but it just shifts and changes. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, what's so cool is that even if there's a passion that I spend a lot of time with, and sometimes there can be some grieving around letting, you know, that passion go, Mm -hmm. but you always bring everything that you've learned from everything that you do into the next thing. So I always see that these are just such important uh, milestones along my journey and things that I've collected along the way that will then I'll feed into the next thing that I do Yeah, in my life. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think for me, I'm sure you talked about this in the hive the other night. I'm so, again, I'm so sorry, miss. Um, it's okay. <laughs> but, I think, but I think when I think of multi-passionate, I think similarly what you said, like you have kind of loves and all different types of things that um, shape you into doing something on that next level, whatever that might be. So I feel like, for example, like I, when you were talking, I was thinking of the, all the things that I signed up during the pandemic, like all these different like courses that either were free or not. Like, and um, one that I signed up for, I think this was actually before the pandemic, I was really into Kundalini yoga for a while. Like, and I was like, okay, I want to learn more about the breath work and the movements and stuff. And I started doing this course and I found it on one of the sites. It wasn't that expensive. And like, and I, w- I just was, I, I did it with this woman for a while, the one on the video. And I'm just like, at a certain point, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not into it anymore. What I was really into was Kundalini um, meditation. Mm. So I thought like if I got, cause I was doing the Kundalini meditation before and right, I'm like, like, Oh, maybe I should work on the yoga part. Maybe I could be, oh, maybe I could be a Kundalini yoga instructor. Cause I already know yoga instructor. Like, and I was just going, my mind was going and going and going. And then I bought this, this course. And then I wasn't really feeling the instructor. I just didn't really like how she taught. And then I'm like, nah. and I never finished it. 
And, but I was, I knew my passion was mostly, it was the mantras and the, and the meditation that go with Kundalini. So, but I followed that. And that's common. That's really common too, is to start something and not finish it. Cause again, maybe you got what you wanted or you kind of thought you wanted to go. You're like, I think I want to learn everything there is to know about Kundalini yoga. And then you're like, Oh, actually that's not the case. I want to learn these pieces of it. This is what I'm really interested in. And so we have to like pick and choose as multi-passionate people. And I think sometimes we have to learn for ourselves, like what level of depth we really want to get out of something and really sit and think about it. Cause I, we can get really caught up in like, Oh, we need to become an expert in this thing. Well, Mm, you're not, you don't have to, you can be still really, really knowledgeable, really proficient at something and then be like good with that. And then free up your energy to go learn something totally different that you're lit up about right now. Totally. Cause that speaking of that, like I remember when, even before I started this podcast, when I wanted to start writing more about Florence and Italy and like getting more history stuff. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to my books from when I studied abroad. I'm going to read all about the history of Florence again and blah, blah. And then, mm, no, that's too much. I'm not in school. I'm not taking a test. I don't like dates. Numbers for me are like hell on earth because I never was good at math. So I can't remember like dates and stuff. So even like when um, I'm promoting my retreats and stuff, I told, I tell people, I'm like, I'm not taking you on these really in-depth tours. I'll take you to places that mean something to me that have a story to me, but I'm not going to tell you when that was built or who was the, who was the Pope at the time. Like, I'm not going to know that. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to know that. But that, I was, I I was doing that in the set, like even for this podcast, when I was, I, some of my episodes, I talk about some of the churches that I really like and I researched a little bit, but I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get all the dates, right. I'm not going to get all who was, which Medici decided that they were going to commission this piece of, no, I'm not going to get that, but it's really about whatever the story was behind the church that I like. Besides not just going like, okay, this was built this tape, like going down the historical, um, timeline. Like I, that's just not how I like to tell my stories. So, yeah. And I love that you're embracing that and not saying like, oh, I should be the type of travel guide that knows all these things and force yourself to do something that's not you. And so you're like, you know what, I'm going to tell you some really great stories and you can look up all the other junk. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. And that's exactly really what care. I said. <laughs> that's exactly what I said on this podcast. I'm just like, I'm not going to give you the right dates, but this story, what happened to this guy is freaking awesome. Like how, yeah. how this all worked out. No. And I think, I think your Colby thing, your Colby index um, tests that, you, that I, I took earlier this year, um, which we could talk about um, soon, but but it did, it helped me embrace like, okay, these are the parts of me that I'm like going to be like, okay, I'm not going to do, um, for example, I started doing writing morning pages. Do you know, um, Julia Cameron? I do. Yeah. I'm familiar. So I wrote, I started writing morning pages a couple of weeks, a week or two ago. And it says to write three pages in the morning. Like you're supposed to wake up half an hour before blah, blah, blah. And write, get basically a brain dump, get everything out of your brain. And like, you know, even if it's just like, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. As <laughs> yeah. Like whatever you want to get out of your head, maybe the, you know, negative self-talk, whatever it is. And I, the first few days I was pretty good. I was like, okay, I can get three pages out, but three pages is long. Okay. It is. I it struggle with it how too. big your notebook is like, it's pretty long. So then at a certain point I was like thinking to myself, well, you know what? I have to drink my coffee, eat my breakfast, feed the cats. I don't have 
I don't want to wake up at 4.30. And I don't. My body's like, it's it's darker here. You know, the time difference. I mean, the daylight savings. I'm just going to write as much as I can and go about my day and not beat myself up. Good for up. you. Good so for you. Like, yeah. So now I'm like, I'm writing as much as I can until my cats like start, you know, bothering me or something in the morning. And and then I'm like, oh my God, I got to go. got to brush my teeth. Got to go. And instead of beating myself up. So anyway, that makes me so happy because that's such a big, that's, that is such a big part of my mission is that who you are is not something that you need to fix and helping people embrace really who they are, what works for you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like taking at these, you know, advice, like, yeah, it is a great thing to journal, but if you don't one, if it doesn't work for you, then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with you. It's not like you're not going to have a wonderful life. If you hate journaling, you know, and also make it work for you. Like if doing half a page is really what you need and you feel some benefit from it, who cares? (laughs) So I feel like break the rule, like make it your own. Yeah. And that, and, and it's so funny you say, just break the rule right there, because I always was the person when I was little, I never wanted to follow the rules of like trending things. Like I don't want to do what all the clicky people are doing. So I always went against the grain, even if it wasn't like me being the popular person or me following Dave Matthews when Dave Matthews was like really big in high school. Like I just did whatever I wanted. And like, it was, it, it, it felt better that way. And then when I finally was like, oh, I like Dave Matthews and I was a sophomore in college. Okay. I'll listen to Dave Matthews now. Like, you know, and it was at my time. Right. So, so yeah. Yeah. It's genuine. Then it's really coming from an authentic place versus like just following the the flow of everybody else and what they're doing. So I'm curious for you. I know, I, I know you've sent me your Colby numbers and now I can't remember. Do you know what you are for the fact finder? Like the red? Oh, I do. Hold on. Let me pull it up. <laughs> Cause I got it all. Um, I fact finder. I'm a four. You're four. Okay. So, so, um, so what this is <laughs> for everybody's listening, yeah. there's this assessment called the Colby a index, and it's all about your cognitive style, meaning how you naturally take action. And this is an assessment that was really encouraged by the life coach training program that I went through to just help us understand for ourselves, you know, how we naturally take action. When I took this assessment, it was really, really eye-opening and affirming for me of like, oh, this is why I do the things that I do. And this is why some things are really frustrating or challenging or why I get stuck in my own creative process. And so I started offering this as part of my coaching program to help my multi-passionate creatives understand their natural way of, of taking action. And then I've started offering this as just a one-off session called the activation session for people who maybe aren't ready for a six month program, but just really want to understand their creative process better. So there are these different numbers that you have that mean different things. I mean, you can go into it in so many different ways, but with you being a four on the fact finder. So this is how you, um, gather information and take in information people who are on the lower end or like a one through three, they just want like as little information as possible. People who are in the like four through six category, they want, um, like they're kind of a middle of the road and they're a good bridge. So they can take little bits of information and they can fill it in for people who need lots and lots of information at the other end. So the high end, those are people who like are the researchers and they would, they would know every single date and who, you know, who did what and when and 
yeah. all of that. So you're kind of, you're on the lower end of that middle section, uh-huh. but you can like fill in a little bit more information. Like you can take like base information, fill it in a little bit more for people who want more information, yeah. but you're kind of okay with like, what's essential? Like, what are the facts that we really need to be sharing? Yeah. What matters? Mm-hmm. And you filter out all the other stuff that's like, I mean, who's going to, I'm never going to remember the date anyway. So like the yeah, story okay. is going to stick with me and that's, so you're really honoring part of who you are by, by just like filtering out, like, no, I don't need, I don't even need to waste my brain energy on this stuff right yeah. now. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, I, I, I was looking into it um, earlier and I'm just like, I need to figure, I need to really understand each section again. So, um, but anyway, the Colby index guys is really cool. Like it really opened my eyes to really accept myself who I am. And especially now that you're doing human design, I don't know. Did you get your human design read, Kaylin? So I, so I have not had it read. I, I'm not even doing human design. I like, I am for myself. I should say okay, I'm not yourself. offering yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. 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 You're not offering it. Yeah. That's what I meant. Although yeah. I am like loving it. And so it's one of those things that I very much like started looking at trainings on how to read it for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually went through, I started looking at quantum human design which is by Karen Curry Parker. So she worked with the original guy, Raj, I think his name was who, who created the original human design, but he passed away. And so she's like, I feel like I'm completing his work. It's sort of like this other side of building on what he shared. Uh Um, And it's a really user-friendly because human design can be a little bit like make your eyes cross and you're like, what? She really makes it so much easier to understand. And so she has this, when you get your chart through her website, she, she gives you this amazing guide. So I've just been going through it yeah, and understanding my chart from, so like on a, on like a more basic, like higher level. And then I, I am starting to look at, um, people who I might want to get a reading from, but I just was like getting excited about just learning it on my own. Cause sometimes I'm like, I just, I kind of like to teach myself sometimes. And then there's, when I hit a wall or it's like, I'm kind of getting too much into the weeds of the information. I'm getting confused. That's when I like to have somebody come in and explain it to me. Yeah. If you need somebody to do that for you, I know a girl. So, but yeah, I know a person. (laughs) I know, I know my girl. Yeah. No, she did it for me. and was awesome. And and yeah, she read everything more in depthly and stuff. So I, yeah, she was really good. Um, yeah. So yeah. Human design is similar to, that's why I think you like it because it has, it does with, Co- it's the same type of thing with Kobe, but like, it's a little bit more, um, what's the word? It's not as Kobe. I figured anyway, it's similar. I don't know. I can't think of the word. Yeah. It's and similar. I think there's actually pieces. Um, it, it gives like, a it gives a lot more views. Like Kobe is really focused on on like how you naturally take action exactly. yeah. and there's exactly. crossover mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, human design is kind of like, it, it's like a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's very cool. It's Wait, just a different is open. What does that mean? Like, right, exactly. <laughs> so out of curiosity, what's your, what's your main type? Oh, I think I'm a, I think I'm a man or a generator. Oh God, I can't remember now. I should remember this, but it's the same thing with Kobe. Like I forgot all my numbers. See, I yeah. don't remember numbers. Like yeah. unless I'm like really looking into it, but, um, I think I'm a generator. Okay. Not a, cause there's a manifester, manifester, generator, projector, and something else. And know. then just a generator. There's just manifestors, just generators, yeah. manifesting generators, and projectors, reflectors. Project- yeah. Yes. 
I think I'm a generator. I'm pretty sure I kept to find, I didn't, I didn't pull any of that. I forgot that you were doing yeah. that. I would have pulled yeah. that up. If I no, could, no, no. I <laughs> but, no yeah. that's cool. Well, I'm, I'm a manifesting generator, which being multi-passionate, doing lots of things is actually <clears throat> part of that trait. Although mm-hmm. you can, you can be all the other types and still identify with being multi-passionate. Yes. And that's one of the things too, with, um, with this term is I think sometimes people can get caught up of like, well, I don't know if I'm multi-passionate enough <laughs> or whatever, or like people kind of will put these rules or in their mind oh. of like what that looks like for them. Yeah. And for me, like, I would just say, if you resonate with the term, if it, if it speaks to you in some way, then just own it. And you get to define it with, with however yeah, you want it to no look check boxes that says, no. how many passions do you have? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no. And like some people like, like to do one thing at a time and they yeah. do lots of things throughout their life. Other people like to do all the things all at once. Oh and so God. some, you know, anyway, so I just want to put that out there too. Oh, that's a good point. Get a little worried about people, it almost. I didn't know people said that. Like I'm not multi-passionate enough. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what have you realized? I don't know if we touched on this. What have you realized about being multi-passionate for you or maybe through your clients? Like what are their, like, what are people's feelings on like, what's a pro and what's a con? What do people talk about? If there is any like thing about being. Oh yeah. So um, well, I think a lot of times people will feel like, uh, well, I'll talk about the cons first. Cause I okay. feel like that's often sort of where people go mm-hmm. first yeah, right away. Yeah. People will feel like, you know, if I switch gears, people are going to think I'm unfocused and flaky. Oh, um, yeah. or, you know, I'm never, if I don't stick to something, I'm never going to be stable or people are going to think I'm unstable in my life. Mm. Um, or, you know, I'm never going to be an expert at anything. And we definitely live in a culture that very yes. much like pushes expert, you know, mm-hmm. um, whereas like for me, I see being multi-passionate as a different type of an expert, you know, having a broad range of knowledge in lots of different areas gives multi-passionate people, this really unique ability to think outside the box and think of solutions that are inspired from maybe like a, like a, you know, a totally different area. Like Mm -hmm. someone might take like this thing that they learned in, um, soil science to fix this problem with water or like, I don't know. I mean, just as like a silly example, or people just combine things in really cool and interesting ways. Um, and I think that in a way that people who are really siloed in like one area Mm -hmm. are going to have total blind spots where multi-passion person is going to come in and be like, Oh, I can see this from like 10 different directions. Like I have no shortage of ideas of how we could maybe fix this problem, you know, which I think is really cool. Um, and I think that people just get so excited. I mean, if they really are embracing who they are, they get excited that they get to do so many different things Mm -hmm. and, and their lives really are not boring. You know, they get to, they get to change. They thrive on variety. Mm -hmm. Um, they feel they're lifelong learners. I think those are all things that are so positive, Mm -hmm. but people have really absorbed and, um, unfortunately taken on a lot of messages about themselves to make them feel like that's something wrong with them, that they should really stick to one thing. They need to find their one thing that they're passionate about. And it's just for a multi-passionate person, like you're not just going to have your one thing. Totally. You're going to have lots of things throughout your whole life. Uh-huh. And that's what I feel. I used to feel like that a lot. I used to feel like, not that I need to be an expert, but I was told 
when I would start bumping from different job to different job and then go to Italy and come back, like, you know, my parents would always say like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with your life? Like you just left right. Motorola that could have been paying all your school loans. I'm like, I don't care. But at the time, you know, you say you don't care. Cause of course I was in my twenties, but, but then in the moment, and I mean, after the fact, you feel like, shit, what am I doing with my life? Cause I'm going from one job to the next, um, one passion to the next. I'm not making any money there at all. It's going from credit card to credit card, you know, and it's just, but yeah. it's still, as I said, in my last podcast episode, I said, I do not regret one effing thing I did in yeah. my, in my earlier years. Like I don't regret it. But in the time when you're getting all those messages, like you were telling me, like how people are like, well, I'm not this, I'm not that, which is messages they've heard in their life, family, mm -hmm. you know, work colleagues, whatever. Um, like it, it gets, it, you, it's, gets in your body, like just think like, oh shit, I'm yeah. not doing anything with my life. Like I remember leaving Motorola and my boss's boss says, what are you going to do without Motorola? That's what she says to me. What are you <laughs> going to do with your life? I'm like, uh, oh, I'm going to go see the world. That's what I was like. It's oh, so frustrating. Like, oh, yeah. Right. And it's so, and it's so amazing, you know, and there's no right or wrong path. It's just the path that we feel is, I mean, except for the one that we feel is right for us. Sure. You know? yeah. But that can be really hard and you can second guess yourself a lot. Yeah. And especially when, you know, there's, we're so used to there being like these timelines that yes. like, you know, if you're not hitting these milestones at certain ages or doing certain things or have achieved certain, you know, whatever successes, yeah. whether that's like financially or material in some way, yeah, people will feel so behind. Yes. And it's just like, your life is just not supposed to follow that linear path no. that, and, and somebody made that up anyway, totally. <laughs> like where yeah. did that even come from? You yeah. know, somebody, and then that's, I think that's so freeing to realize like every thing that we think is like the thing you should do. Somebody decided that. And then people agreed and, and it's not, yeah. yeah. So you can decide something different <laughs> and choose something different. And there's going to be other people who agree with you, yeah. you know? And just seeing like those people, those people that I met and even that woman you met in, in Florence, like, like those people had passions and they're doing the things that they really love to do, but nobody wrote that guideline for them. They did it. And that's, I think another thing that's very inspiring and, and like, um, seductive. I like that word to use like very seductive because you're like, shit, you did this and shit, you're making money or shit. You're, you're happy with what right. you're doing, even though you're not making money or you're, you know, making music on the street, whatever it might be. Like, yeah, because this is what I want to do. I want to do be on the voice or whatever it might be. But that feeling, even because we were taught when you said like about following that guideline of like, you know, get married, have kids, make, you know, <laughs> create your new kitchen, like, you know, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. like, but, but you created that path. And I think there's a lot of people and you know them because you're coaching them, but that feel that they're, yeah, they're behind they misstepped, they went off the path. Now they're here, but oh my God, how can I get back on the right path? Quote unquote. Right. Um, but what is your right path? Like, you know, and sometimes people like feel called to something and then, but they won't give themselves permission to yes. do the thing that they really want to do because they're afraid mm -hmm. for those reasons, which is valid. And, and I've experienced that too. I think that's very, it's very, very normal. Yeah. And also like you, when I've decided to do things, not the way that other people were doing them, I've never regretted it. Mm -mm. You know, I was like, you were saying like feeling people are like, what are you doing? You know, when I, when I was leaving for my trip 
for a month, we went to Italy for two weeks and then France for two weeks. I was prepared to quit my job if they didn't let me take the month to travel. I was like, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I know that I will, I will be on my deathbed and I will regret that I never did this. Oh, and I was like, so I'm going, I like, I, you know, which like, is like, not, you know, something that people would probably say is like good, you know, oh, career yeah. advice. Oh, totally. But I was like, I, I, I have to do this. This is not oh. something that's an option for me. Yeah. Um, so I hear you on that. You're like, I just, I don't care. I'm just doing this thing. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And, and I think that's where people also get those mixed messages, especially if you're gonna, you're up to like either quit your job or go to Italy. Um, like you feel that feeling of like, I know what society says is right to do as I'll just keep going with my job. And I mean, you know, whenever me and my husband have time, we're going to go, blah, blah, blah. But instead you followed your gut instinct and like, no, what if this is my last time I can do it? You know, we're going to have kids or we're going to get old. Something's going to, you know, we don't know. And especially with COVID, which I said a lot in my last episode, I always say this, but, but you don't know when it's your last day. Right. You don't know. So why are you waiting on a passion that is something that, oh my God, I'm an awesome artist, but I can't quit my job because I have to take care of my kids and I have to, or whatever it might be, start painting on your own or do or whatever it might be. Like yeah. start running for that marathon, even though you don't have the time. No, you can do it. But it's right. that passion, like that passion that's within you. If you keep hiding that. And I think that's why there's so many people that are not happy with their lives because they, they turn themselves off of that passion because they think their duty is X, 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 Y, Z, X, Y, Z, whatever it might right. be. So, yeah. I, I think that people don't realize the ripple effect that their passions have on them. That's yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. So just to, or not even to them, but to other people in other areas of their life, like, as you're saying, I mean, how lit up were you by this designer in Italy? Like you're still talking about her however many weeks later. like that ripples out. And I don't think sometimes the things that we think we're like doing for ourselves and we're being selfish, if you are truly lit up, that energy, it cannot be contained just within your own body. Like it will, it will impact other people a hundred percent. Yeah. And to just let yourself, you know, kind of imagine like, okay, what could the ripple effect? Like I'm happier and I'm energized and I'm like, so excited about this thing. And I have this sense of accomplishment and it's not always about accomplishing something, but if that's part of your passion, Mm -hmm. the other piece of that too, is like not beating yourself up either about like, well, I I never did this thing and I still haven't done it. And like, just, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is what you do from here on out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never too late unless you don't do it. You know, like you just, it's like, you can do it tomorrow. You can start planning that trip. You can, you can pick up that paintbrush. You can, you know, whatever the thing is, you can do it. And even if it's only for five minutes, Uh that, that is still, that's enough, you know? Totally. And speaking of art, because I know you're an artist. So I used to do a little bit of art therapy in the past year with my, with my therapist, because she's an art therapist. So, and, um, and I love that when she told me, okay, Katie, I need you to paint. I want you to paint this. And then I would send her pictures and stuff. And it felt so good, even though I knew it was crap, but like, it felt good to get it out 
and I use my fingers a lot, like, cause I don't like using paintbrushes. So I was using my hands a lot, but just that even when I started doing that, I'm like, Oh my God, I really like to paint. And so yeah. when I was telling my therapist, I'm like, Oh my God, I, I really want to get better at painting. And this is why I went on this, uh, this trip in September. Cause my friend Chelsea, she does um, art retreats. And so I learned a little bit of watercolor, which oh. I haven't really learned watercolor. I just practiced it with um, a couple kits that I've gotten, but I was like, I really was into it, but then I also was kind of holding myself back even, even at the same time, because I knew I was still new and, and I'm, I'm a learner and I'm, I'm a beginner, but I was still like, okay, I'm still doing it. Even if I'm not, okay, Katie, you don't have to make any more basil leaves. Just leave that alone. Like whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but I was, I was trying not to beat myself up because I was, I was getting hard on myself. Cause I'm like, yeah, well, mine doesn't look like hers. Mine doesn't look like, and like, but that's your ego. That's your ego saying shit. Yeah, you need to be better. You need to do this, but but at least I your, did it. Yeah, be on your own journey. Yeah, you know, with like with where you are, and celebrate every milestone in your own. Yeah, path, you know, Absolutely. I love that you that you pursued that. That you're like, I I want to learn this thing. I'm going to go on this trip so I can learn it. Where you get to combine your passion of being in Italy and yes, getting to learn oh, this new awesome. thing. Yeah, no, yeah, that's awesome. incredible. So let's talk a little bit since we're kind of segueing um, into, I know we, you said you were a wedding coach and you were talking about what you do for, um, for your clients that basically it's like a non-traditional, you try to get it basically just being like, as your coach, like as a coach, trying to get them to find their passions and put them all out on for this day, showcase who they are with their family and friends. Um, so I don't know where I was going to go with wedding coaching. Okay. We'll talk about this. And then I was going to say, let's go right into it. You're talking about your trip to Italy. Cause I'm okay. <laughs> Cause we can always talk about more Italy. Like, oh, we of can. course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with your wedding coaching now, I'm just putting it out there. People, whoever's listening, if you're listening and you're engaged or maybe almost engaged, or I don't know, you really should hire Caitlin because if you are from a traditional family, Catholic, whatever religion it might be. It's really important that I feel as all the things that I've heard Caitlin, what Caitlin does with, um, with wedding coaching, it's such an important thing because when I think back to my wedding and I still tell you this to this day, I wish I knew you back then because I could have made my day a lot more meaningful, even though it's just one day to, instead of it being a traditional somewhat traditional because we didn't do it on church, but somewhat traditional wedding. I wish it was more of me and Stefano instead of Mm. my parents. So I guess explain a little bit. I I know you did at the beginning, but explain a little bit, maybe more that people can understand, like what else you help them with. I mean, obviously you're not there because I thought (laughs) at first I was, I was like hiring Caitlin out to go to Italy with you. And Caitlin's like, I can't go. (laughs) Well, I mean, I would love to go to Italy, but, um, but yeah, I should, I should clarify because wedding coaching is not something people are very familiar with. I actually don't know if other people do wedding coaching. It was just something that I realized there was a need for after my own wedding. Um, so I'm not a wedding planner, so I don't do like all the logistics and boots on the ground and make sure that all your vendors show up and all of that. So that's, that's not the piece that I do. I do often work in tandem with wedding planners. But what I do is help you get really clear on what your vision is. Like you said so beautifully, how do how do you make this a truly meaningful 
day that weaves in who you are as individuals and as a couple that really showcases what matters to you in this moment. And what I realized is how easy it can be to get caught up in the whole current of wedding shoulds and have tos and whether it's, it's related to, you know, religion, you know, that maybe doesn't, if pieces of that don't resonate with you, but also just so many of the traditions and all, you know, every blog about wedding is like, you know, the things you have to do, or you can't do, or never, never dare ever doing this, blah, 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 whatever Mm. people. I mean, these things like scare you and pigeonhole you into like saying that there's only run one right way to have a wedding and it can feel so inauthentic. Yes. And we were definitely sort of like swimming against the current. We decided to do a lot of things differently. We we still kept some elements of sort of like a traditional or some of the structure, I would say, of a traditional ceremony, but then remixed it and made it totally our own. Yeah. Um, and it was a tr- like truly a deeply, deeply meaningful day for us. And that's what's been so cool to see. Cause I knew what that felt like to be in this moment, my most, like for us to be our most authentic selves yeah. in the moment that we are, you know, sharing this commitment that we'd actually already made, but we thought it was like this, we're celebrating with everyone, this commitment that we've made. And we're asking people to set intentions with us for our future. And that's what that meant for us. Mm-hmm. And it was such an incredible experience. And I had some friends afterwards saying, I wish I knew I could have done it a different way. And that broke my heart. And, and I was like, you know, I can help people to, to know. And, and because sometimes people want to do something another way, they know they want to do it differently, but they get kind of bowled over because they don't know what they want to do instead. And so I spend a lot of time getting to know couples and helping them really understand like what would be what would be meaningful. And I, there, there's nothing too weird. Like that, like I will help you figure out how to make it make sense, uh, in a way. And, and as long as like, as long as you bring everyone in on why it's meaningful to you, everyone like that is there will love it. And if they don't love it, it's not about them. (laughs) So I'm definitely there as the advocate as well, supporting people, especially because I mean, there's just, there's so many tricky things that come up with weddings, um, Mm -hmm. and helping people just make some of those decisions around, you know, I worked with a bride who has a really tricky relationship with her dad, for example, Mm -hmm. and she was trying to figure out, you know, how do I, how do I navigate that? And so just being able to be this third person or third party, you know, outside of the family to help her make, you know, that decision that was right for her. Yeah. And so I'm definitely there for those pieces too. Uh, so that, I mean, that just sounds awesome. So guys, again, if I'm going to get married again, I'm going to hire, um, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, when you have a recommitment, when you have a, yeah, recommitment ceremony, um, ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. I, I love it. I mean, it just, it's so cool to see couples feel truly empowered. Yes. To, and also make this to themselves. Yes. 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 Yeah. It just actually just gave me chills. Like, Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I just get to work with such incredible people and, um, I feel so grateful because they share so much of their love and their story with me. It's, I feel like I, it's a very unique job that I get to do. Yeah. So going back to storytelling guys, this is why I like Caitlin. Cause she likes stories too. <laughs> I love the stories, all the stories. <laughs> 
but um what else so yeah so anyway my can recommit my commitment ceremony will probably be in italy so you're gonna have to be <gasps> yes okay okay Yes. That one I will come for, for okay. sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so guys, that's what she does with wedding coaching. And I just wanted to, you know, pump you up with that because I think that's, um, I think that's something that not a lot of people know about. And I, I just wanted to, um, okay. Tell people about that. So let's talk about Italy. And so now you said you were there for two weeks and then you went two weeks in France, right? Yep. Said, okay. So you and your husband did this for a month. Okay. So I guess we can talk, we can start from anywhere. I don't want to keep you much longer, but because I love talking about Italy, let's do this. Let me, let me ask you, what was the most, like when you first stepped onto the soil of my ancestral land, um, (laughs) what is something that immediately stood out to you as a outsider looking in? how old it was. Yes. Okay. I mean, you know, just, I, I never been to Europe before mm-hmm. and, and just stepping out of, you know, the train station in Milan and seeing the Duomo right there and just being like, what? It, I mean, this is, it's so incredible. You just feel mm-hmm. the history. Yes. And and what also struck me is that Milan is, it's so old and so modern. It was like this very interesting juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. That was my first, you know, and like, and sent, and so much like sensory, especially, you know, being in a place that's like the culture is different. Yeah. People dress differently, beautifully. I was like, <laughs> here I am in like my backpack. And like, I like immediately was so self-conscious. I was like, I did not bring anything that is like at all up to par with the Italian <laughs> gorgeous people. Yeah. Um, and we all feel that way. Yeah, we all, I mean, it's like <laughs> all tourists feel that way. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it was just like, it's just gorgeous. Yes, that's awesome. And so out of all the places you visited, I know we talked about earlier um, um, about where you visit. Out of all the places you visited in Italy, what, just tell me one or two stories, up to you, um, about your most favorite aspect of that city, museum, wherever you guys were. Like what, what's the most favorite thing? Yeah. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, it it was often people Mm. that sort of stood out to me. I think, I mean, I loved so many different places, but we would have these really, really amazing experiences where, um, I think we talked about this before, like how strangers would just help us out (laughs) and like, really, like we were kind of like put ourselves in just like, we were just in a pinch. We were like, about to miss the last bus to get up this hill for this hotel that we didn't even know really where it was when we booked it. And, you know, this like people were like walking us to the bus and shushing us on and giving us rides when they realized that we had gone off on the wrong step, even though they didn't speak any English. (laughs) Like there's just like that. I think partly like the people in Italy were so good to us. So there's just like that in general. but I really fell in love with Venice or Venezia. I actually, that's a question I have for you. Why, why do we call it? Like, why do we know of these places is different than what the Italians call them? It really drives me crazy. All, all of the cities are called something different. Milano. Yeah. And we say Milan, Roma, we say Rome, 
Florence. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's a great question. But. I know. It drives it like drives <laughs> me crazy. I was like, what? It's also if I was like, travel tip, make sure that you know what they call it because you go to the train stations and they're like looking it's at you like similar. I don't know where that is. There's so <laughs> many similar names. I remember that happened to us once in France. But anyway, go ahead. Yes, it's similar names. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So we um we spent a couple of days in uh, in Venezia, in Venice. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely loved it. I mean, I just remember like the same thing, like stepping out of the train station and just seeing this floating city. And I'm like, it just immediately was so, I was so in love and just felt like it was the most magical place that I had ever been. Mm -hmm. And it was what was actually kind of amazing that, you know, it's like when the thing, like the the inconvenience things that happen or when plans change, but then it ends up being something better. Yes. You know, we had planned on like, Oh, we'll just ride the Vaporetto or the, mm-hmm. the water taxi up and down the canal. Well, of course they were striking, which like, of course you have to experience that when you're in Italy, like wouldn't be a trip without it. Yeah. It was a rite of passage. Yes. So we're like, okay, so they're striking. Um, and it's not that it's not very big really. So you can yeah. really walk, but that was actually amazing because it forced us to walk mm-hmm. and we just wandered. We just wandered and wandered down every little nook and cranny. And we'd be like, Ooh, that looks interesting. And mm-hmm. I just couldn't get enough of the stucco cracking off and seeing the worn brick underneath oh, and yeah. the interesting angles and the colors and the textures and the smells. And it's just like there's little bridges everywhere and you just don't know where you're going to end up. And it's just this beautiful, romantic city. And I remember sitting on like one of the bridges over the Grand Canal. Now I'm actually blanking on the main. What's the really, the Rialto? Rialto. Rialto. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and talking with my now husband um, mm-hmm. about just like imagining it in its heyday, like everyone in like beautiful clothes and probably mm-hmm. top hats and how so many of the buildings were painted in gold and they were bright colors and just trying to imagine it in its heyday yeah. was so amazing. Like just so funny think you about that. it. It's so funny you say that. Cause I just said that in my last episode too, I was talking about how I, when Florence specifically, I would go when I lived there. And also this past time I was there, I still imagine like what it was like when the Medici were in, were in power and when they were burning people at the stake, like, because they didn't right. believe, like all those, like, and the, and the garbs and all the, all the stuff they wear and the, 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 the parades, the random, well, they still do random parades everywhere. But, um, but like, what did that mean? Like, where would I be in that, in that level of like class? Like I would, I think right. of that too. Um, yeah, which is so wild. You thought that because I, yeah. I think about that all the time, still to this day, whenever I'm in Italy somewhere, I'm like, I'm in Rome or something like if I'm on the train. I'm like, okay, these trains weren't here. What was really here at this time? Like, yeah, know by carriage. Yes. I don't know. How did they do that? How long did it take? Like, and that's how my mind, that's where my mind goes when I travel. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I love like the San Marco square, mm-hmm. um, and getting to see the Doge's palace yeah. and you know, falling. And I don't, I actually, I had was looking back in my travel journal about 
we went into a coffee shop that were like, is this, I think we were like, this is the first place that had coffee. Like in Venice was like the first oh. place that ever had coffee, like in Europe or okay. something. I was like, I was like, fact check this. But anyway, it was a very, very old place. It was like probably maybe one of the first or something. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And that is actually where I fell in love with coffee. I was not a coffee drinker until we really? went to Italy and France. And then we got real hooked on cappuccinos. <laughs> and then we realized that it's actually like not, you're, it's not cool to order cappuccinos like all day yeah. long, like yeah. afternoon, you're not supposed to. Oh, so yeah. we were those people who okay. were like, yeah, but we'd often be like, we want a cappuccino and we want um, an Aperol spritz. And so like, we'd be like, that was like our double fisting, like up or down. <laughs> awesome. And we're like, we, we went back to the same, we went back to like the same coffee shop, like four times oh, nice. and we were only there for like a couple days, you know, we just loved it. Oh, yeah. And the music, the musicians like playing and yeah. so that was one favorite. And then, yeah. and then the other place that really sticks out to me is Orvieto, oh, yeah. which was not a place we were intending to go. That was also a train. We bought tickets and then the train just never popped up on the departing. And we're like freaking out. We're like, what's going on? We never found out why. And so we're like, I guess we're going to cancel those tickets. And, and so we just ended up here and it's this amazing city. That's kind of like up on top of, I don't know what the land formation is, but it's like up on this bluff. Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah it's like a really kind of steep, narrow road to kind of get up there. Or you can take like a, um, funicular, funicular, uh, vernacular, something. Yes. Funicular or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little, almost like a gondola, like up to the top. And this place was just like, it was the, it was this, it's really pretty small and quaint. And I loved the little church that was there. It was just like very small, but very ornate on the, the front. The face of it is really, yeah. really ornate. Yeah. And they have, um, it was, I think, what was it? Like the Pope was there mm-hmm. for a period of time. And because it was like a safe place, because it's up on this hill, it like oh, yeah. had like a lot of military advantage. Yeah. And so they have these amazing um, wells mm. to get water and it's a double helix. So like the, it's like the stairway, like winds itself around. And like, that was incredible to go see. And there are like, I think over 300, um, man made caves that are in like underneath Orvieto that all the families had. So it was like their cellars and they still do olive pressing in them. And they also trained pigeons. So in these caves, they uh-huh. had dug out these little holes yeah. for pigeons to, to roost so that they'd always have a food source. So pigeon or picione or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Pigeon. 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 No, I don't know. I know it's something. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so that was like, that was like a local delicacy. So we went to this really great restaurant, made sure we got pigeon, which yeah. is like not somebody I'd never think I'd be eating. Sure. It was delicious. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and then having this pasta where they would come around with fresh truffles oh, God. and literally grate the truffle right on top of your pasta. And it's like, I love it. it's just like the most intoxicating. I, I know it's oh, just, God. it's just not the same. You can't, you just can't get like, you know, like truffle fly fries or truffle oh, oil it's here. Nothing. It's just not, no, it's not the same. 
Oh, oh God. Gosh. I wish you were with me and Chelsea. Like, okay, whenever <laughs> you have time, you're coming with me to Italy. Okay. Restaurant Done. near where we stayed in Monteferrale in Chianti. And there's this place called, it's called La Castellana. And they, all they do is have, it's basically, it should be called just the truffle restaurant because truffles on the pasta, truffles on the meat. It was so good. I didn't even care how much it cost. Like we, and yeah, I became friends with the, I became friends with the owner. So I'm bringing people back there because it's freaking amazing. Oh my God. No truffles. You sold me at truffles. I just <laughs> finished, I just finished truffle cheese that my mother-in-law sends me from Italy. Cause I just love it so much. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. <sighs> yeah. So that's amazing. I mean, I think the fact that you guys just didn't, you didn't plan on going to Orvieto. First of all, I'll say this again. So Chelsea told me about Orvieto and now you did. I really need to go to Orvieto. I've never been. I've, I, was on, I was on my, on the train back to Rome on, on this last trip. And I, we passed through Orvieto and I saw it onto the hill. I'm like, that's not what I thought Orvieto looked like. I don't know. But I was like, oh my God. So of course that's going to be on my, my next trip for sure. Like it's oh, so charming mm-hmm. and it's a really nice, especially for, for us with traveling, we do like the bigger cities, but it's yeah. nice to kind of have the, uh, like the quietness mm-hmm. and not have so much sense sensory overload and to yes. sort like stop in smaller places in oh, between totally. really just kind of lets you like settle again. Yes. But yeah, it's, it's so charming. I would, I would go back in a second, you know, I, I also, this reminds me, there is this really it's like sweet moment where this guy was like, you know, dressed in his, you know, again, really beautifully, um, mm-hmm. he's an older guy, his mustache, and he's sitting there eating a sandwich and he's ripping off little bits of his sandwich and feeding it to the stray cats. Oh. And I have a photo of it because I just thought it was the cutest, oh. <laughs> most charming that. thing, you know? And I was, oh. as I was reading through my journal again, too, I have so many little things about cats. I love cats. And so all these oh little things God. about like the Italy yeah. cats. Oh my God. Yeah. We could just have an episode of just talking about what's in your journal. We should do that. Like what was in I your know, journal? <laughs> I know. I we could, I would actually be fun someday to read you some of the, my memories and oh stuff. Oh my God. Very I fun. I love it. And I think, um, anyway, I think, thank you for coming. I think this was a great episode, especially for people that are multi-passionate. Um, I want you to talk, tell them all about the hive too. Let's talk about the hive. Cause I know I'll be there, but like, just so you can maybe get some newer people, maybe they are multi-passionate and they want, you know, some support. So absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, recently I was talking with, as I've been talking with a lot of multi-passionate people, what kept coming up is this feeling of being kind of lonely and feeling like they haven't really met other people that are like them and think like them. Mm-hmm. And you know, here I get to work with multi-passionate people all the time. So I know that there's lots of you out there. And I was like, you all need to meet, you all need to actually connect and see that you share so many of the same perspectives and even challenges and struggles, but also that there's so much, like you say, like those strengths that we were talking about, Mm -hmm. there's so much to celebrate. I think that being multi-passionate is kind of like your X factor, but you just got to like know how to hone, you know, that is your yes. superpower. That's Such... a great analogy or a metaphor. Whatever. Totally. Yeah. Um, and so with the hive, I just wanted to create a virtual gathering space for multi-passionate creatives just to come together and to have conversations about all things multi-passionate, um, any, any topic or question is, you know, off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really fun. I had the first one this past week and mm-hmm. 
I started off with one question and then it, the conversation just went from there and just wove around and I'd get curious awesome. about something else and ask a different question. And people yeah. would ask questions of one another. And it was really cool to see people see themselves in one another as different as we all are, Here. but those commonalities, uh, I think it was very affirming for people. So that's awesome. I, at this point in time, I'm offering two more. I just wanted to try this out and see if it was something yeah. that people were interested in. Um, maybe something I'll continue doing in the future. Yeah. And, and I definitely been thinking about, you know, there's, these are not as in depth as like a full on program. Cause it's just, you know, it's an hour it's like and group of people. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely have started dreaming up, um, more of a, a more of an in-depth group coaching program where we go even deeper, yeah. um, and just giving people even more support. So I don't know. It's just something I'm dreaming of. I'm always yeah. know, new ideas because we're multi-passionate. Because we're multi-passionate. Yeah. Yeah. No, but so anyway, this is free, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So it's this free. Thing, guys. So um, yeah. And so if you're interested, if you want to reach out to me, um, there's a few different ways. You can. My website is just caitlinbosshart.com. Mm-hmm. You can get on my email list. There's a. There's a. You'll when you get on the website. There's a pop up that. Mm-hmm. Um, ask you if you want to sign up for the finally start your passion projects workshop and workbook. So if you download that, you also are on my email list, which is awesome by the way. Cause I done that anyway, go up. Yes. Katie was at it. It was, <laughs> she was amazing. She was yeah. at the, the original. Yeah. Um, and then, or if you just want to send me an email, let me know you're interested in the hive. So I don't know when this episode's going to air, but if it's after yeah. the hive is over, if you're interested, let me know. Yeah. So if I offer them again, I'll definitely make sure that you're you know, on the list and included and just get all the, the yeah. links for totally. that. Um, yeah. And then if, if you're curious to learn more about multi-passionate, I mean, I have so much content on my, um, on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. So you can find me at Caitlin underscore boss heart. Mm-hmm. I'll put all um, the notes. So you yeah. Guys have the type like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and on there, I have a bunch of IGTVs where yeah. that I call the multi-passionate PSA, where I talk about common myths and misconceptions that, mm-hmm. that people have about themselves uh, and try to flip the script on that. So that, you know, if you've had some of those limiting beliefs about who you are, start yeah. to, you know, untie those a little bit. So you can start to see what's possible for yourself, totally. um, start to own who you are. So, um, yeah. And if you're interested in either one-on-one coaching or wedding coaching, I offer a yeah. free discovery session so we can see if we're a good fit. It's always super important to me that it feels like it's going to be supportive for yes. your journey. Um, and if, you know, if, if working, you know, that's, that's all it is, is just getting to know you where you're at and, and seeing if it's the right fit. So totally. And I think just like being a coach, um, or meeting a coach for the first time, it's just like a bartender or a hairstylist. You really have to have a good relationship with the person that you have. Totally. So whenever you have a discovery call with anybody, whenever, or just an intro call with anybody guys, it's really just about feeling you out and it's a, and it's, it has to be both of you going, okay, yeah, this is going to be a good fit or maybe I'll wait on it or whatever. But I, it's really, I say this to my clients all the time. I'm like, I'm either your bartender or your, or your therapist, like, because, because we have to have a good fit. And they think it's weird when I say that, because when I train people, I like to meet them first and say, Hey, this is what we want to do. What's your goals? Just like what your coaching programs are as well. And then I want to make sure that you like my vibe. Cause if you don't like my vibe, then why are you even going to, why would you want to train with me? 
Like, and why right. would you want to meet with Caitlin if you don't like her vibe, which you will, because she's awesome, but well, you're yeah. so sweet. <laughs> yeah. But it's important that it's, that it's the right fit and it's going to yeah. be the, the right, um, next step for you. You know, exactly. one thing I will just say, um, and this also very much goes for like personal training and I mean, everything, mm-hmm. um, when we're, when we're trying to shift something for ourselves is, you know, knowing that you don't have to feel ready. Like sometimes people are like, I have to be a hundred percent ready or I have to know exactly what I want to do or what I want to create. You don't have to be ready in a lot of ways. Like taking that, taking the first step before you're ready is actually what makes you feel like you're ready to do the thing. Mm -hmm. And so much clarity comes from coaching, um, and actually starting to do the process. You learn so much about yourself and that's, that's how you, that's how you know where you want to go. It's how you know what you want to create for yourself, the life that you really want. but also with multi-passionate specifically, I'm just thinking this out loud. Again, correct me if, if this is not exactly what is whatever. This is how I'm feeling, but you can say like anything. Um, but when you start doing it with like coaching with you or you're in the hive or whatever, and you're not feeling like you're on the right, like we were talking about the right path or I'm not doing it right. That's normal because yep. society is telling you or your ego is telling you no, you need to buy those right shoes because those are the shoes you need to run the marathon. No, you don't. You can run in any any shoe you want. So same thing with coaching. You're going to have those setbacks of feeling like, shit, I didn't get my assignment done. I didn't reach my goal. I didn't lose that weight. Like, So the same thing I think with, I think mo- more importantly with multi-passionate coaching, which is what you do, that you need to remind yourself, no, it's not a, 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 an uphill climb. It's plateau maybe another like dip. And then there's a plateau again or something. Cause that's yeah. how I feel with my creative process. I feel like that. I'm like, shit, I'm not productive today. Fuck. Like I didn't do anything. And then you beat yourself up and then that's right. not good, you know? So that's why, you know, if you have a coach like Caitlin, or if you're in the hive, um, the virtual meeting that she, uh, group and she's doing just to know that you guys are, everybody's on the right path. Even if it's not right for somebody else, it's right for you. doesn't matter. Totally. And if there's something that's not working for you, it's like, you know, a lot of it also is like empowering you to, to create your own path, you know? So, but also trusting with yourself, like every, everything that's come before this is going to, it's all supports you in the next thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. Well, I've taken up a lot of your time here, Caitlin, (laughs) going over a little bit. But um, I hope to have you back on because I'd love to talk more about Italy and like the different stories because we love talking about stories and stuff like that. But right now we'll end this. But thank you again for coming. And I will leave all her links in the notes below. Um, so if you want to reach out to her for coaching or come to the hive with us, I'm going to make it next week. I promise. Oh, yay. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Katie. This was a blast. I appreciate so you. Fun. All right. Thanks. All right. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. I am beyond grateful for you listening to my podcast right now. I am so excited to share my journey of living abroad and all my stories of Florence and Italy and all the places in between that I've visited. If this has reached you in any way and you would like to continue, please subscribe now. Also, go check out my website, trulyitaly.tours, for all my travel experiences. Ci si vede. Ciao.